I just want to apologize to our listeners right out the gate. It's that one guy from the Ivory Coast and Steph's roommates. <laughs> that <laughs> Jason rushed me <laughs> today. And so I'm eating at the beginning of this podcast, which I'll say what I'm eating later. But oh, good. there might oh, be yeah. some noises that you hear that you might be wondering, what's that? It's me eating a chimichanga. So... Chimichanga? Mm-hmm. Is that the cheap version of a chimichanga? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Take her away. Welcome, everyone, to... <laughs> The fourth episode of Movies for Lunch. We are three co-workers sitting in a car on our lunch break with the air conditioning on. Mm -hmm. Some of us are still working on our lunch. Yeah. And we're going to talk about movies and pop culture and entertainment. And what we had for lunch. Yeah. Should we do that quickly? Yes. Let's. There will be time codes, so if you want to skip ahead... To your favorite part, to your favorite section. Steph is losing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you holding it in? Because I can't. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I'm good. I had two chimichangas. 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 Uh, chicken and cheese. That's what I had. I'm having for lunch. I had a lean cuisine uh, fried chicken. It's from Stouffer's. Of course. It was very good. Sponsored. The sponsor of the podcast, Stouffer's. <laughs> I had a kale salad with uh, cranberries okay. and sunflower seeds. Wow. Showing and off. Health, health nut. Yeah. Came in a bag. All right, look. I have, I have a piece of news, mm. a topic to talk about. There are two pieces of news about Jurassic World. Okay. And we were going to talk about them. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about was they released an eight-minute short film of, I guess, spoilers for a movie that came out last year that people didn't seem to like. Some dinosaurs are on the loose, a very small number of them, but it still seems to be a threat. And some dinosaurs attack some campers in eight-minute little short film. Directed by Colin Trevorrow. Who directed the first, like, the Jurassic Worlds. Well, he didn't do the second one, but he's doing the third one. He did the first one. Who did the second one? J.A. Boyana. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. And so we watched that, and let's talk about that. We all watched that, right? I watched it. Yes, I did. Battle at Big Rock, that's what it's called? Yes. Well, let me just tell you what happens, first of all. Some more details than what I just said. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there's this family, and they're in, like, a campground. And, um... Chris, as the podcast's resident camper... Oh, okay. How was their equipment, and how was that campground? It seemed not... It seemed pretty glampy. Oh. Like, they weren't really roughing it. They were just basically probably, like, ten minutes outside of a city. So you weren't, you weren't impressed? No. They were in an RV. Oh, like, it was, like, in an RV park. I kind of thought they lived there. 
No. But they didn't seem like the type of people that would live in an RV, so that confused me. They definitely that makes sense. Well, they, they definitely had good relationships with their the neighbors. other people yeah. there. The other campers. It's unclear if they live there or not. So they wouldn't have had to put effort into putting up a tent, breaking down camp, as you've told me before. Yes, breaking camp. But their mm. neighbors, some yeah. of them had, like, lope lights hung up outside of their... Sometimes these RV, RV campgrounds, like, people go all out and they stay there for a while. Okay. Could you move from campground to campground? Yes. Staying off the grid? Yes. Interesting. Are they staying off the grid? Uh, hard to well, say on this one. Just, I think something I found sure, them. Because I haven't seen any of the new Jurassic Parks, so I was like, am I missing something no. that... And it was kind of fun because I was like, are these existing characters that I should know about? Because mm-hmm. they talked about how they'd been married for two years and I was like, Maybe they got married in the last thing, and now it's been two years, and they have a baby that everybody's going to be excited about. Everybody. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to jump ahead in this, but that is something I hate. In that, it was one of the worst offenses of people giving exposition and conversation that no one would actually talk like. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, like. I do. She's like, we've been married for two years now, and our families should be blending, and I know it's hard, but we've been doing pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's exactly right that's basic stuff. That's exactly how it happened. I just barely watched it. Oh, I, yeah, I hated that. There's another version of that, of like, if two people, like, driving somewhere, and it's like the first scene of a movie, and someone's just like... <laughs> Now remind me why we're driving all the way out here, just so the other person can explain to the audience. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry. So they're camping, and then they're going to bed or whatever, and something's wrong, and he looks out, and there's a dinosaur. And a whole bunch of dinosaurs come in and they start tearing up the campground. Breaking camp. Breaking camp the wrong way, oh. if you will. They don't know. Sorry. They're dinosaurs, yeah. you're right. <laughs> They're doing the best they can. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's these, yeah, these people, and they, like, basically just try and survive as these dinosaurs kind of, like, run through, and there's a little bit of a fight. But nobody dies, right? Nobody gets eaten. No. That we know about. But it's just like, oh, there's dinosaurs in the real world. That's basically it. That's basically what happened. Okay, another credit. Look, it was a pretty interesting concept. I think where it falls apart is the actual dialogue like we discussed. They also shamelessly set up the the crossbow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's my criticism. I didn't like it. Oh. (laughs) I didn't like it at all, really. It was kind of... That's some good uh, shot composition. So, like the the dinosaur trying to get in... It's like breaking in. That was kind of fun. And the baby was there. There was like, I felt like good setup of like space. So you knew what the stakes were, Chris. Here's my thing about the new Jurassic World movies as compared to the original Jurassic Park movies. They're like fan fiction. They feel like fan fiction. Yeah. They're not, they don't have any like message that they're trying to like say or anything interesting that they're not, they're trying to say other than what's already been said about like, Humanity's like arrogance and that kind of thing. I don't know. I feel like the second one tried to say something about animal cruelty, but it didn't it say didn't. it well. No, it and it didn't. was just kind of none of it really makes sense. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. They could have done something interesting in the direction where they're trying to take the second one with human cloning. 
but they didn't really do anything interesting with that either. Yeah, they could have said something really interesting about conservation. I think we've said that on a, a, on this podcast before about how the Jurassic movies could, like, especially the last one, could have said something interesting about conservation. Like, it kind of was set up to do that. It whiffed it. But it just, like, it just, like, gave up that to give us, like, fan servicey moments. Basically just cool shots of dinosaurs doing stuff. Yeah. And that's what I feel like this short is and what I feel like the last two movies are is just, like, the Fast and the Furious of dinosaur movies. It's just like, hey, look, here's a cool dinosaur doing stuff. Like, I don't... I don't care. Also, if you're looking out your RV window and there's a dinosaur tearing up camp 10 feet away, aren't you trying to, aren't you at the very least trying to shield your young kids' eyes from watching the dinosaurs rip up camp? They did say maybe we shouldn't watch this. Sure. And then they, <clears> then they just it. kept watching it and didn't try to think of like, how could we get out of this situation? Yeah, they definitely were way too, I mean, they weren't happy about it, but they didn't react any different than they would if it was like a bear. Someone also made the joke online that there couldn't have been more than 50 dinosaurs that got released at the end of the second movie. Yeah. Um, is that really a threat? Well, and that was another, like, yeah, somebody else made a really good comment. It's like, oh, no, like, humans have never been really good at wiping out large <laughs> animal populations. <laughs> it may be a threat for, like, two weeks before we figure out what happened and release, like, a nationwide warning of staying inside until all the raptors are rounded up. I'm very interested to see what this third movie will be because I can't imagine it'll be very good, but it might be interestingly bad. Because that's the thing about, like, the first two Jurassic Park movies is it makes sense why it's a threat, and it, like, obviously, they're dinosaurs, but they're trapped on this island, and yeah, it's like, yeah, everything's shutting down, and it makes and, sense. And they're not able to contact the outside world, so it's just yeah. them. Yeah. Well, and then even the end of Jurassic Park 2, where... Oh, I'm sorry. I'll try to sabotage my podcast know. with your sneezes. I did not. So at the end of Jurassic Park 2, when the T-Rex is loose in, like, the city, like, he's loose. San Diego, Chris. Sorry. Sorry. San Diego. The city. San Diego. Proper. Um, it would make sense that he was, like, on the loose for, like, a little while. Like, two hours in the night. Yeah. In the middle of the in night, In the too. middle of the night. Yeah, and so his... The T-Rex's, like, interactions with people make sense. But, yeah, like... The second we were able to put together any kind of organized effort, they the dinosaurs would be done. They they're done. They're dead. Three weeks tops. Three weeks. If some go in hiding. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it won't be like this mixture of humans and dinosaurs now. Like dinosaurs are as uh, common as like cows. It won't be that. No. That'd be interesting. <clears throat> what if they really go for it and really just like go off the deep end with this concept and are like they're just destroying everything you know at this point I would love that because <laughs> I think both of those movies are very unimpressive and so tr do something just completely crazy you might as well yeah Steph you want to hear my take <laughs> yes, yeah, as someone who hasn't I seen oh. I haven't seen either of them and I didn't know what this was going in so I kind of thought it was going to be fan fiction like actual fan fiction yeah like a like fan movie a fan movie that somebody had been like I really like Jurassic Park and me and my kids are going to make this Jurassic Park movie <laughs> <And> <laughs> paper so, mache T-Rex head yeah. so that's what I went in thinking that it was and I was like wow they're doing a really good 
job at this. I spent a lot of money on this. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> Just with the new iPhone? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, like, I figured out pretty quick that it actually was a real movie. Like, really made by Jurassic Park people. Oh, good. Because even in the beginning, I was like, they could have just cut this, like, intro from a Jurassic Park movie, and now it's going to be them in a trailer park. And then, once the dinosaurs shut up, I figured out. Oh, okay. Some people have wondered that, if this is just, if this is going to be the intro, like, the opening scene of the third movie, but I don't think it will. I think this is really just, like, they wanted to release something. Get people hyped. Get people hyped up two years before the next one? I don't know. Is that, it's 2021? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, they haven't even started filming because they just announced like casting stuff. Yes. Which are you going to talk about that next? Do we have any other lingering thoughts on the Battle of Big Rock? No, I do not. Interesting. Okay. All right. The next, the other big piece of news. Do you think I should have? Nope. Why is that interesting? Nope. You had a, a oh the right amount <laughs> of things to say. I'm always nervous to say cut that out too because that's the one way to make sure it gets that it doesn't get cut out. <laughs> okay, they have announced that Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and Laura Dern will have sizable roles in the third Jurassic World movie, oh. and. You've seen the first Jurassic Park, right, have. Steph? Have you seen any of the other ones? I actually realize I've seen another one. I can't remember which, if it was second or third. I could tell you the plot. That would help. Jeff Goldblum? The second one. Okay. Well, so, that's enough to know that that was yeah. the second one. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he's only in the second one. He's, okay. he's in the second one. The third one, uh, Sam Neill comes back for it. Okay. So, they're back. Does that make us more excited for this movie? A little bit. I it is it is honestly the only thing that could have made me more excited for it. Yeah. Again, I'm not. I mean, I'm not sure how they're gonna make it interesting. Maybe they should have Spielberg direct it. Well, well, I don't know how much that would sway me at this point either. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't made a really great movie in a while. Well, especially a movie like that. Like he can make like these. He makes movies for how old he is. It seems like. Yeah. Like, now he's making these, like, political thrillers. Not even thrillers, just, like, political dramas. I did like The Post, but it wasn't anything amazing. No. It was no. Anyone could have made that. It didn't yeah. seem like, wow, Spielberg, really. Yeah. That Spielberg touch. Yeah. Because that was the great thing about the first Jurassic Park is, like, how well-balanced it is between oh, saying something interesting and being a lot of fun and really compelling and, like, really exciting. It is... I think a perfect movie. I recently wow. rewatched it. Like as far as the structure of it, yeah. and like you said, the balance of making a point, but also just being so entertaining to yeah. anyone watching it. Yeah. If you don't care about movies at all, you will. During, there's like key sequences where you'll just not say anything and watch it because it's so good. Yeah. There's a lot of the Spielberg face too, which is when you just show someone's reaction before you actually show the thing they're reacting to. Oh, so the Spielberg face. He does that a lot. I'm sure he didn't. Well, he wasn't the first person to do that, but he that he's kind of like known, known for shots like that. And it has some of the best ones ever. Oh, yeah. Well, there's the iconic one, right? Where they come to the park for the first time. Yeah, with the brontosaurus. Yep. Sorry, Brachiosaurus. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well, we'll, we'll thirty cut foot that out. Oh, thirty wow. foot net. We'll cut that out for you. <sighs> Thank you. I don't know how important your dinosaur facts are. 
it's amazing. I love that movie so much, and terrified me as a kid. And yeah. it's I still have lingering uh, kind of like jump scare about dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. If I'm scrolling through my phone, my phone's really close to my face, and I see like something about a dinosaur. It still it, <laughs> is that a common thing? <laughs> Where are you scrolling? <laughs> like through Twitter. <laughs> oh, you like said. dinosaur, like just <laughs> the dinosaurs pop up. <laughs> It's scary. You said that like my phone is always very close to my face. You, just well, you know said, when you're like laying at I'm night. I'm scrolling through my phone and it's very close to my face. You're you just said, I'm scrolling through my phone. My phone is close to my face. It doesn't. It could be right here. Sorry to to the, to the person listening. This is about two feet from my yeah, face. Two feet. Yeah, I'd say about a foot and a, a half. A dinosaur. If I'm scrolling through, dinosaur shows up. I'm not expecting a dinosaur to show up. It is inciting a flight or fight response immediately. <laughs> In fact, I will regularly, if I'm watching a movie that's something about CGI or movies or something like that, where I have a feeling there might be a. A, they might show a shot from a dinosaur from like the Jurassic Park movies. I will sit my laptop kind of further away from me. I just I know my body. I know what? that I will just react in a very. That's fine. I can totally understand the response. The thing I find interesting is how often do dinosaurs surprise you as you're like watching movies or like scrolling through your phone that you're I'm... like dinosaurs. <laughs> it, it coincides with promotional like. Huh. Like stretches of time around the, the Jurassic Park movies, <laughs> so I knew that with like Battle of Big Rock, because I look at these movie sites, they'll show pictures and it'll just be a picture of like a T Rex, or it'll it'll often be like the T Rex like sequence from the first movie, and I I just oh man, they freak you know T Rexes look so mean. They just have their mean little eyes, their small circular pupils. <laughs> They're terrifying. But sure, definitely. I feel like it's not an irrational fear. No. If you saw a dinosaur, if you saw a T-Rex, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a normal thing to be afraid of. You just shuddered when I mentioned this. I was picturing, a, like, if a T-Rex was right there. Oh, man. Where that food distributor's box truck was. Well, we would drive away and not sit here and <laughs> watch it like would a bunch of campers. Would we go backwards? Go, yeah. Drive backwards like in the, sh- in the movie? Raptors would be even worse. I'm reminded there was a game that I had on the computer growing up. This was like, oh man, Windows 95. But you were a dino hunter and you like, it was like big game hunters, but you hunted dinosaurs. Is this Turok? No, not Turok. It was like a big game hunter, but you were just like dropped into space and you had to hunt dinosaurs. And it was terrifying. Oh man. I'm sure you would, you couldn't handle it because- Not even now. They would just come up behind you. They'd sneak up behind you and then your character would scream and then it would just cut away to you being eaten. That sounds <laughs> that sounds horrifying. I know. Oh. They should make it into a VR game. A VR game? Oh, that man. would be terrifying. That would That is your I would, nightmare. I would throw up. <laughs> I love Jurassic Park and I have resisted buying it because every time I go to buy it something on the case has an image that I'm just like that will I don't want to just I don't want to just you bump into that own Jurassic Park I don't because this you're scared of the case raving about <laughs> I thought I could trust you with <laughs> this information because <laughs> of the images on the case there's one one of one of the new blu-ray releases is like a uh, sort of drawn like photorealistic uh, image of Sam Neill being chased by the T-Rex. Oh. Who is Sam Neill? Dr. Grant, the main guy with okay. the hat. 
Can I tell you something I've noticed <laughs> yes. about, with, especially with this casting, the announcing the the three new pe- the the casting? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There are a lot of weird parallels between this sequel trilogy and the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Oh. <clears throat> the first film in the new trilogy is basically a plot retread of the very first film yeah. in a lot of ways. The second film tried to push the boundaries or attempted to push the boundaries in different directions and till I feel like a lot of people was unsuccessful. Okay. And so in response to that, for the third film, they're returning just basically directly to fan service. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, look, we need to close this out. We need to please the fans first and foremost. So in Star Wars, they're like, well, I guess we're bringing Palp- like Palpatine back and we're just kind of going to give people, I guess, exactly what they wanted. And same with the director things. Exactly, yeah. The fir- yeah, they bring back the guy who did the first one because it was- Jurassic World was a smash hit. And ironically, Colin Trevorrow was fired from directing Star Wars Episode Nine. <laughs> yeah. Why? Um, he made a movie between Jurassic World and Star Wars called The Book of Henry, which was a colossal failure. And th- I think there had been some issues or like creative differences, if you will. So I, th- I think with his, that Book of Henry movie failing, they, I think Lucasfilm was just kind of looking for a reason. Hmm. Um, yesterday, they announced that Kevin Feige was going to be producing a Star Wars movie. Really? With Kathleen Kennedy. Who is Kevin Feige? Kevin Feige. <laughs> his, ask he's, that question again. he's the producer on all the Marvel films. Okay. So he's like the mastermind behind all of the Avengers movies. And who's the other person? Kathleen Kennedy is the person over Lucasfilm. And both ah. Marvel and Lucasfilm are at Disney. But they just announced that he is going to be producing a Star Wars movie. Do you think that they are scrapping Ryan Johnson's planned trilogy? Because I this is mostly for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Steph. Uh, Steph can weigh in too, though. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to explain it to me if... Wait. So Ryan Johnson directed The Last Jedi which you haven't yet to see. I've yet to see. Very polarizing, that movie. Okay. Prior to its release, the executives had seen footage of it and they were really excited, so they already announced that at some point Ryan Johnson was going to have free reign to make his own trilogy Trilogy. of movies. It could be whatever, about whatever in the Star Wars universe. Since then, there hasn't been much talk about it and no one, Ryan Johnson has still basically said like he's intending to do it, but that could mean anything. Like, they, they, he could just be saying that, but knows that it's, like, dead. Yeah. I kind of wonder with Knives Out coming out, if that makes a lot of money, and it already appears to critically be being really well-received, I wonder if that has any kind of bearing on his, like, viability as, uh, of, like, a creator. If Lucasfilm might have been like, we're going to drop Ryan Johnson's trilogy, and then Knives Out was really successful. Here's the only way I think that it still goes, is if it is on Disney Plus and it's not released in theaters. Really? Yeah, because they have um, that other trilogy from What's Their Faces? Benioff and Weiss. Yeah, so that's coming out. And then they have this one from Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy. That's four movies out. They've already they've already seen that Star Wars fatigue can be a real thing. So they're, yeah. gonna, they're gonna spread those out. And so that's, what are we, like eight years down the road? would be even the beginning of a new trilogy. After Solo, I think this is maybe the wrong lesson to take away from Solo's failure, but they are never going to do 
two years in a row ever again. Yeah. There's at least going to be a year between Star Wars movies. Yeah, because they went December, May with episode eight and Solo. And so, yeah, I I just don't think... I mean, like, who knows what's going to happen in... Because it'll probably be five years down the road that they would, like, be like green light another thing. Yeah. And be like, this is what we're going to do next. Is this really how the movie world works and how they figure out what they're going to do? It's probably worse. We're probably scratching at the surface. Yeah, yeah, it's probably <laughs> more just cynical. Like, oh, and... their last one worked. Well, oh, yeah. Have, you know? No, they are just... Especially now, they're just kind of, like, guessing. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I feel like I can't imagine it's it's there's probably some kind of scientific method where they're trying to base it on some kind of data but it is so much guesswork and just trying to assume well this was really successful why do we think that it was and taking whatever lessons from that yeah for good or bad yeah I mean look at JJ Abrams he was like okay you did lost we'll give you a movie he did Cloverfield, right? And then that was good. like he did Mission Impossible three. He did Mission Impossible three. In Cloverfield. In Cloverfield, and then he did Star Trek, and that's when people are like, okay, this guy's a hit maker. They give him Star Wars. Yeah. And um, so that's just kind of how it goes. Like, if you're the hot new thing, like Benioff and Weiss, who did Game of Thrones, like, absolutely, the biggest franchises are going to come to you and be like, look, because especially now that everything is like tent poles and franchises, it makes everyone seem like what Kevin Feige has been able to do. And they're like, we need if, as long as you have somebody competent leading it, yeah, like it'll make money and it'll be successful. And so, yeah, they're just like, these studios are just itching for the next big talent. And so in five years, like who's going to be the hot new director, you know what I mean? Who's going to be the hot new showrunners who are going to be given a star Wars trilogy. And it's funny because everyone, rags on this mentality these executives mentality and we do too we have a lot in the past of just talking internally but if i was an executive i don't know if i would behave much differently especially with that much money writing on things yeah because like there's no it's really hard to predict like they're they're not good at predicting like a formula per se of like a premise or like a subject matter that's always going to be a hit like it seems like they're always a little surprised by stuff and sometimes you can tell when a movie is like made by committee and they're terrible and like they are never very good and so but then like you also have things that surprise hits that shouldn't have been that good yeah things that should have been good were terrible like mad max fury road which had a terror like horrible production history of just years going over like budget and like terrible weather conditions at ruining the shoot mm-hmm being pushed back several years and that was incredible nominated for best picture i mean look at deadpool like they yeah. wouldn't even green light deadpool until and then, he leaked well someone someone leaked the test footage and people loved it yeah and they were like crazy for it and then they're like okay fine they still they kept him on a short lease still and like yeah. didn't give him a lot of budget and then it was like the highest grossing rated our film ever made yeah for a little while and same with get out it was like a horror movie like put out in january or february I recently heard, so Ike Perlmutter, the guy that was the in, originally the in-between between Kevin Feige and Bob Iger and eventually got pushed out, and he was kind of the reason why they kept lowballing all the actors. This is like around 2015, 2016. He was originally like a huge obstacle in getting Captain Marvel and Black Panther made. And Kevin Feige, at one point, that I just recently read this, considered quitting because of how awful it was to work with Ike Perlmutter. Wow. And he's gone, and Captain Marvel made well over a billion dollars, and Black Panther was the highest-grossing domestic film of 2018. Yeah. So, 
I guess I, I similarly in that same scenario would be like, well, I'm just going to bet on proven IP and yeah. what's safe. We had don't have an episode nine director. Let's bring back JJ Abrams and just do it safe, JJ. Like just give people what they want. Apparently, because people get pissed off when. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like it makes it makes total oh, sense. Man. I want to watch The Last Jedi so much now. I want I want you to watch it. It's good. I mean, I really liked it. Based off of your uh, feelings about other things we've talked about on this podcast, I don't think you'll like it. Hmm. Like, what feelings are you talking about? Yeah. Um, what was it? I was just listening to this from last week when we were talking about the Apple Plus stuff. <laughs> and you were talking about how you didn't like how, like, one of them was a girl or, like, how... Something was. I'm trying to think. Uh oh, like seemed pandering. Yes, but you liked the Force Awakens, didn't you? Yeah, I did. That's. I feel like it has a, a lot of the same pandering elements are in both. So I will just say this: like one of the biggest criticisms of the For- of the Last Jedi was that people felt it was pandering to minorities, um, <laughs> fairly or unfairly. I mean, there are a lot women of... Women specifically. Women specifically. Oh. And so there were a lot of elements to that, to, like, those storylines that made it feel forced. Anyways, mm. I just, I think that you might not like it for those reasons. I predict you will think it's fine. We will see. Mm. But that's no, that's a good point. I also thought you would kind of be apathetic to the, the Apple TV Plus stuff and you... Hated it. <laughs> you, oh. you were wow, such contempt. <laughs> Can I tell you a, a piece of trivia that I learned from another podcast? Yeah. About Tom Cruise. Yes. There's a great podcast called The Rewatchables from The Ringer, and they did one on the movie Collateral. Hmm. And they talked about how Tom Cruise plays like a villain. He's it's like picked up in a cab. Yeah. They drive around and. Jamie it's kind Fox. of this cat and mouse game. Anyway, they said that to get in the mindset of this villain, this character, Tom who was like a hitman, Tom Cruise would go around and trail different members of the crew on their off time. <laughs> and he would have post-it notes and he would come up behind them and he, if he was able to put a post-it note on them without them noticing, that meant like he killed you. And so they would just have crew members like leaving, I don't know, like the gym or like, so imagine you're just leaving the gym, you're a crew member on this film, someone touches you on the back, you turn around, it's Tom Cruise just walking on the other direction. <laughs> or you're at like a stoplight and you look in the rear view mirror and there's just Tom Cruise <laughs> in the car like behind you. Staring you down. I thought that was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> so I didn't mind if you noticed him after he had killed you. No, because you're technically dead. Yes, you're dead. Okay. Yeah. It's not like they got to the movie studio with a bunch of post-it notes on their back, and they're like, when did this happen? No, you'd just be walking, you'd be like, feel, feel a tap on your back, turn around and be like, Tom Cruise is walking off. We tried to tell people in high school once, one night, we're like, let's just, like, follow somebody in the car. And... I could see that backfiring in the yeah. worst way. Yeah, in retrospect, it could be very dumb, but even at the time, I was like, well, then it could get freaked out. And it's good. The problem with telling somebody when you live in a small town in rural Utah. They know you. Is that they never make a turn. They just like get on the, <laughs> you know, county road and they go forever. 
and they never notice that you're tailing them. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> everyone's on the same road. <laughs> one straight line for the last half hour. Were you hoping for them to notice yeah. you were tailing them? <laughs> yeah, and then they would start making like a lot of turns, and we'd follow them in my minivan. Trying to like rush through a red light, so yeah. it's right on you. Yeah, they never noticed. We just followed people into the. Ironically, you were good at following, but bad at what you were attempting to do. Yeah, which was being noticed noticed. and noticed following them. (laughs) Because I wanted to see what people would do. They don't do anything. Now for a segment which we like to call. The lady at Trader Joe's told me I needed to see that. In this segment, we go over things that we've watched that theoretically someone at Trader Joe's could have told us to watch. Yeah. I have a couple, but go on. Do you want me to start? Yes. Chris, I watched two movies that you have in the past told me are great, despite me not wanting to watch oh them. Oh boy. Can you guess what they are? Are they Pulp Fiction? No. Oh. I've seen that already. Oh, so you haven't seen these movies? Yes, they're new new watches. Oh. I'm not gonna give it away. Okay. Was it A Knight's Tale? No. Um, they are two, two big hits from the 90s. I thought you were Dances just with Wolves? I watched Dances with Wolves. Yeah! And? I hated it. <laughs> really? It was so long. Yeah. Which, I'm fine with long movies. And this might just be a product of, I'm, that kind of story has just seeped into pop culture in the last 30 years. I just knew every turn it was going to take. Yeah, so? And Kevin Costner's voiceover was insufferable. <laughs> I will include part of his voiceover so the listener will understand what I sat through for three hours trying to appease Chris. The fierce one, as I call him, seems a very tough fellow. I hope I never have to fight him. From the little I know, he seems to be honest and very direct. I like the quiet one immensely. He's been patient and inquisitive. He seems eager to communicate. I would conclude that he is a man of some weight among his people. It's good to finally have some company. So much goes unsaid, though, and I have the feeling that these people, the quiet one in particular, want something from me. Made presents of coffee and most of the sugar. It didn't figure to last anyway. Don't believe I'd go too far in saying that a foundation for good relations is being laid. Oh, it's so... I can't believe you didn't like it at all. What did you like about it? You didn't respect it at all? It was fine. The ending was fine. Yeah! But for a good two-hour chunk in the middle there. You were... When he's shouting and you were my friend... Yeah. That was nice. You know what? <laughs> it, if it was an hour and a half long, it might have been pretty great. No, it needed to be that. Well, there was a there was some sections. You could probably cut a half hour out of that movie. <laughs> like the part, well, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'll, as we've talked about, I really love, like, that era. And just, like, I just thought it was, like, the, the, the Civil War. No, just like the West, like the uh, like the oh, I the West. Talking unbe- about like the nineties. <laughs> the nineties. <90s. laughs> Love that era. You Big know? open I fields. Mean, like, no, like the movies made in the nineties. Oh. They have a feel. They this movie definitely has a nineties feel to it. It is. It is an Oscar film of a bygone era. Yeah, an epic. Yes, it's an they epic. loved epics. Yeah, then. they still do. Just people don't make them. Yeah. Um, Maybe they should start making epics again. That makes sense try as to every once in a while. the podcast resident camper that you would love. Yeah, Open fields. it's very outdoorsy. Yeah. <laughs> and what is the movie about? Because I have heard of it. I've always just assumed it's about Indians. There's so, Indians in it. Sui. There's a Civil War lieutenant. I think he's lieutenant. 
Anyways, um, he does this really heroic thing at the beginning of the movie, and so he gets to choose where he gets uh, assigned after the war's over. He does not do a heroic thing. He tries to commit suicide, and it's viewed as heroic because he distracts the enemy enough for his side to kill them. Yeah. By trying to commit suicide. Such bravery. Well, I mean, I'm not... uh, Whatever. So, anyways, he gets to pick where he's... And so he gets uh, assigned to, like, the far west, like, just on the edge of, like, the prairie lands, like, out in... The frontier. The frontier, exactly. That's the word. The frontier. I remember that. And so he's out there and just is kind of alone, and then, like, these Native Americans keep kind of coming and interacting with him, and he kind of tries to be friends with them, and he eventually does become friends, and... um, yeah, eventually, beca- and so eventually becomes like an advocate for him and that kind of thing. And he just kind of like interacts with nature and there's a wolf that he likes. Where's the? Oh. So that's why he's called Dances with Wolves. Yeah, because there's a wolf that follows him around, and it was a long movie. The, uh, there's a convenient. Of the movie. Um, so I guess probably the climax is he eventually leaves his post and spoilers for Dances with Wolves. So he leaves his post, abandons his post, and goes to live with the Indian tribe. And there's a conven- it's convenient, but there's a white woman who has lived there and is about his same age. Yeah. So with they, the Indians? Yeah, he's living with the Indians. Oh. And so she, she lived there since with them since she was a child. She was adopted as a so child. So she can I- interpret. Yep, she until can he learns the language. Speak English and the language. Huh. And so he becomes a big part of their tribe. And then he goes back to the post after he's been living with the Indians for like a year or longer. And the uh, the army has is there and they think he's a Native American or something. Or they don't really know what he is, but they capture him and they like beat him up and like they're gonna kill him because he's like he's changed so much and he's like one of them. He's one of them. He's savage. a savage and so they are How? getting ready to take him to some other base to kill him or to put him in jail and the Indians come and save him. It's true. Mm. And uh, then at the very end of the movie he leaves with um, his wife and they're going to go advocate for Native Americans. Well I also think he's worried that they'll come looking for him and find them. Yeah because they were yeah, kind of like on the run. This is peak Kevin Costner. It sounds like peak 90s too. You, you see his... That's a take on that era of what would that be like the late 18th or Civil War era the Civil War era Com- what is like- coming to grips with US Native American relationships it's kind of yeah but it's like the 90s take on that yes it's always interesting to see like the 40s take on would have been the very same era would have been as- very different yeah. movie <laughs> it's already a little dated that way but I thought I don't know I liked it I mean part of it probably is sentimentality of like when I first started really watching movies I watched it and again for just like you've always been a Costner head <laughs> I actually don't know if I like any other movie from his I do really like this one just because I have a soft spot for like yeah the outdoors you could say alright do you want to know the other movie I watched yes I would love to know <clears throat> also very long does that give you a hint from 1999 99 Someone has a urinary tract infection. <laughs> That's your clue? I feel like that would be a pretty good one. I don't know. A movie about a urinary tract infection? Give me another infection? clue. 
I guess I don't know what this movie is about. I didn't think it was about a urinary tract well, it's infection. Well, it's not. It's not specifically all about that, but that is, like, a kind of funny plot point in it. Wait, keep going. Give me more clues. Um, I feel like any. I feel like the next one I give you is going to give it away. Electric chair. Oh, Green Mile. Yeah. What is Green Mile about, then? Green Mile is about um, a man that's sentenced to death. It's set in the hallway, the green, which they call the Green Mile. John Candy, right? No, what's his name? John Candy. It's not John it's Candy. <laughs> Tom Hanks? No, 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 the black guy's name. Oh, I don't really remember. It's his Coffee. Name. John Coffee. But it's not spelled like coffee. Uh-huh. So that's what he says. Oh. And he's sentenced to die, and so it's like death row. But he's actually a very kind man. There's a lot. There's a lot to it. I can't, I'm not giving an adequate description of the movie. But Tom Hanks, for a little bit of the movie, has a urinary tract infection. He's a yeah. Tom Hanks is a prison guard. This guy's on death row. They kind of like talk and talk about a lot. He has supernatural abilities. Yeah. To heal. Yep. Wait, what? This, this is, is a not Stephen. At all John what I thought. Yeah. I actually did not. I didn't see that coming either. When that happened, that really took me off. Caught me yeah. off guard. So he heals the urinary tract infection. He does. By grabbing Tom Hanks, yeah. yeah and at like first, it's really kind of scary because yeah. he's, it's the the guy's played by Michael Duncan Clark, who's huge, gigantic. He grabs him through the through the chains, but then he does this thing where he kind of like sucks the sickness out of him and then blows it out, and it's like little butterfly like dust particles. Yeah. And I'm watching it, going, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and I wow. and then I remembered it was adapted from a Stephen King book, so I guess I was like, oh, "I guess this isn't super weird," but. Um, I liked that one fine. <laughs> also should have been two hours. Yeah. It is so long. Yeah. It, I didn't it, I didn't feel it though because I watched it and I split it up. In the that is viewings. not at all what I thought The Green Mile was about. I knew it was about <laughs> it was... A, a black man on death row. But that's, I didn't realize it had all these other elements to it. God, isn't that what prison is that guard just the worst? What is that white guy? Oh my gosh. Are not talking, Vanilla Ice. Oh, you're talking about Eight Mile. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you thought it was Eight Mile with Eminem? <laughs> yeah. That's that's, that's what I thought it was too. about. That is a good movie. Okay, this makes actually a lot more sense because I was like, I swear I watched a trailer where it was about Eminem. <laughs> the, I bet you've seen the poster. It's just like a sepia-toned Tom Hanks in a prison uniform. Yeah. I don't know that I've seen that. Anyway. So I you're saying the Academy of Voters in 1991 or 90 for Dances with Wolves? 91 for 90. Were mistaken. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Goodfellas, come on. That's a long movie, too. But better. Yeah. That should have won Best It's picture. definitely aged a lot better. It's definitely a retroactive pick. Like, it's yeah. easy to say that in 20 yeah. hindsight. But, uh-huh. Um, so I guess these join the pantheon of long movies that I don't really like that Chris loves, well, including Bridges of Madison County. That's not a is that, that's not a long movie. That is two and a half hours. Felt like five. <laughs> <laughs> such great performances. Oh my gosh. Such such so sweet for Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood. I thought you would enjoy that, that I watched those. I did. I I forced myself to finish Dancing with Wolves so I could talk about it on this podcast <laughs> with you. <laughs> well, you have to, the ending's great. It really brings it home. The best part, I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah. It is really long, but it's one of those movies that I just am okay, like, just living in that time and, like, in that space, so it doesn't feel long to me. Maybe, and I don't as much love that time period, so maybe that's a part of it. Yeah. 
Well, and I didn't, to be fair, Green Mile, I don't like love. It's good. Like, I liked kind of like if it'd been what a, it was trying to if do. If it had been a lot shorter, it would have been actually really good. Yeah. It really just dragged. Yeah. Some people have criticized Stephen King for being a little too on the nose with that book. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. On the nose in what way? His, uh, John Coffey, his initials are JC, and he takes people's pain away. Oh. And eventually is killed. Killed. But you know what? It might have worked better as a miniseries because it's based on like six like short novellas. Oh, I didn't and it's know like that. basically every plotline is accounted for in the movie. That's why it's three hours. Novellas. Yeah. Novellas are short. They're like under forty thousand words, I think. Yeah, they're longer oh. than a short story, but shorter than a novel. Uh huh. A novella. You should know that. Spanish speaker. I just thought uh, it meant novel in Spanish. That's what my <laughs> lessons taught me. I thought I was just being obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, what did you watch? I watched a lot more Spanish TV. I watched uh, Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah. What did you think of that? That was you, great. You hadn't seen that before. I hadn't seen it, but I had seen 12 or 13. So I kind of knew the style of show. Oh, and I've seen eight. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's was great. Eight. Anything else? Nope, it was great. Okay. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Let's talk about the leftovers real fast. You, did you finish the leftovers? I did. Um, it was very interesting. Yeah. I'm a little. So I guess spoilers for this TV show. Um, I'm a little annoyed that they just had her, her explain what happened essentially. Oh. In a conversation rather than trying to visualize it somehow. But I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Really yeah. great. I mean, for the whole time, like being aware of other stuff Damon Lindelof has worked on, when um, Justin Trudeau, no. Thoreau. Yeah. <laughs> Not the Prime Minister of Canada. <laughs> Justin Thoreau shows up in the future, and he can't. He seems to not remember any of their past. I, I was like, is this like a, is this like a sideways parallel universe, kind of like in Lost? Yeah. So anyway, the whole anyway, no, I really, I was, I found it really enjoyable. Yeah. I liked the whole season. The whole, I think the whole show. I, I actually liked each season more than the last. Yeah. No, it's really good, and I especially liked. Um. Well, so have you heard him talk about it at all? Like after watching the final episode, Lindelof. Yeah. No. So he was like, we just wanted to tell a love story where people, two people are able to like compromise, like are able to still be together, even though they believe different things hmm. basically and how they're able to like, um, yeah, like be together in spite of that kind of thing. Um, but I thought it was great, especially cause like you said, it kind of seemed like they were um, going to be like, oh, it was a dream or like, you know, it was like we weren't going to get a satisfying ending. Yeah. But then it was, I felt like really conclusive and satisfying. In fact, I remember before I started it or maybe I was early into it asking you, are there going to be answers for some of these things? And you wouldn't really tell me, <laughs> which I guess I can't blame <laughs> you for. But I, I was very happy with the answers. I think I would have been satisfied if we never got a real answer of what happened. Like when she went over or even like, what was the deal with that rapture-like event in the first place? Yeah. But I, that idea that somehow groups of people got split into different planes of reality, I mean, all that is just really interesting. I was, I don't know, I, I didn't, a lot of people really hated the ending of Lost, and I was completely fine with it. Yeah. So 
I wasn't like expecting to get every little mystery solved, but right. I still I was I thought it was satisfying, and they wrapped it up in a each character got a pretty interesting send off in yeah. a way that was satisfying. Yeah. No, I thought I think it's just solid. Like it's yeah. just like a re- like it's good writing. Very well made. Great acting. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great cast. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I really like. I've actually it. been like. That movie makes you such a fan of Justin Theroux. Yeah. And then, like, he doesn't really do anything. Like, he's not in, like, these movies that demand that of him most of the time. He's in these really dumb comedies and, like, I don't know. I haven't seen him in another role like that where I was like, yes. I guess he was pretty... Have you seen Mulholland Drive? No. Oh. He plays kind of like a scumbag in that. But, yeah. No, he's he's so good. Carrie Coon is very good. (laughs) Yeah. It was really good. It was really good. Maybe not my favorite. I know it's your favorite. Yeah. Well, I think it was just my favorite because of, like, subject matter and, like, they really went for it. Like, they were asking tough questions in that show. And, like, they weren't cynical on either side of it. It was like, look, there is a lot of ambiguity and stuff like, like, spiritual natures. And so... I they really leaned into like some supernatural elements too with him going to the other side to that hotel, which I just thought was so interesting. Yeah, they really like swung for the fences. They like didn't hold back or like play it safe. They're like, yeah, we're gonna do some weird stuff with this show. Yeah, and I think it paid off. It was very good. We were talking about the leftovers. We were talking about the leftovers. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Where have you been the last... I was on my phone. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, we understand. Well, I didn't have anything to add. It's a good show, stuff. That last part did sound interesting. We've we've kind of told you a bit what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it gets, gets weird. It gets interesting. Would recommend. If I was standing behind someone <laughs> in line at Trader Joe's... <laughs> Or sprouts. I would, would showtimes for that night. <laughs> I would give them an HBO account and password. Start watching the leftovers. Wow. All right, we're, we're we're back. We're back at work. Um, Steph, do you want to say bye? Bye. <laughs> Lunch is over. Steph, do you want to do the introduction to this episode? No. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. All right.